Welcome to Thinking Biblically. My name is Alan Gilman. Thinking Biblically is a podcast dedicated to exploring how all of Scripture speaks to all of life. Um, I want to share something with you from uh, an experience I had recently that uh, highlighted something in the Scriptures that um, I think is just so very important. And so before we get into that, uh, of course, I want to remind everyone to subscribe and to share and review. Uh, please leave comments in the in the comment section below. Uh, but also I have a special announcement. Uh, if you haven't heard this already, um, has to do with uh, this thing called Torah Bites that I've been doing. Torah Bites is a weekly short commentary that I've been uh, producing for the past almost 25 years. And so we're going to have a special Torah Bites 25th anniversary live event um, on uh, November the 2nd, uh, 2022. And um, looking forward to uh, my son Daniel being back as a special host for a, that special session of Thinking Biblically, where we're going to talk about uh, some of the history of Torahbites. So we're going to talk about uh, the importance of the books of Moses in terms of its foundation for the rest of scripture and what it means for us today. And we're working on other uh, surprises for that special event. Uh, it's free, it's gonna be over Zoom, uh, but you need to register. And so there's uh, a link in the description below, but it's uh, www.torabytes.org slash 25. Torabytes.org slash 25, you can go there to register. Uh, and if you want to send in any reflections that you might have uh, from your own experience with Torah Bites, or if you have questions about anything from the books of Moses, uh, you could send that to a special email address, which is 25 at TorahBites.org. Um, and if you're watching this after November the 2nd, then the link below is going to, uh, if all being well, it's going to point to the recording from uh, that uh, that Zoom event. And so either uh, you're going to see the registration link or you're going to see the link to the, the YouTube recorded version. All right, so this past week, um, I and my wife, my wife and I got to go to a pastors and leaders retreat. It was a wonderful time. And uh, we got to spend time with people we know and meet some new people. And it was a wonderful time with the Lord, um, times of worship and sharing with one another in prayer, of course. And one of the uh, first, call it exercises that we did, was uh, we were asked to go off on our own, uh, not talk to anybody, but spend some time, about 45 minutes, reflecting on John chapter 15. Now, I love John chapter 15. I remember all the way going back to my first years of believer, the person who brought me to the Lord suggested that I spend, I think it was about, a, you know, take a week, Alan, and read John 14, 15, and 16. You know, the Gospel of John is um, it's fascinating, actually. It's very often suggested for new believers to, to read this Gospel, and people, even with no Bible understanding, uh, find themselves really blessed by reading the Gospel of John. But the more you get into it, the more intricate it, it, it is, and you see how deep and sometimes confusing it can be. Well, this thing I'm going to share with you really isn't that confusing, except there's an issue in the Bible translation. And those of you who follow Torah Bites, I did something that had to do with Bible translation. Um, and I've, I've been 
I've been wanting to share some things on Bible translation. I don't know if I'm going to do that in, in the near future. I might have some guests on that can help us understand some of the dynamics of Bible translation, because most of us, um, people watching a podcast like this, read the Bible in English, which is a translation. And there's a process to get from the original languages to 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 other languages and and i believe the more we understand some of those dynamics the more we could be in touch with with what the bible actually says most uh english translations are very very good and they provide access to us to to god's word as it's intended uh but we're still reading in a translation and it's that's a work of, of human beings um and um there's something I want to share where I don't think the translators got it right. Um, and I'll explain. Don't turn me off yet. Wait and, and see what I have to say. And of course, whatever I say, I hope that you are checking out if what I'm saying is actually true. And I'm I'm very happy to to engage my the people who watch this podcast, my listeners. Um, if you have any concerns, you disagree with me, do let me know. You could always email me at, at uh, comments at thinkingbiblically.org. So anyway... Um, what we the assignment we were given was to read John 15 and um, see what the Lord was speaking to us personally as we did that. And that is what happened for me. I, I mainly focused on the first 10 verses, which I'm going to read in a moment. And what I do that now? I'm, so um, I'm going to read John 15 verses 1 through 10. And um, I'm just going to tell you a little bit about what really blessed me and then share with you something that concerned me and why, and then get that sorted out. At least that's the plan. So here we go. John 15, verses 1 through 10. I'm reading in the English Standard Version. I am the true vine, Yeshua is speaking, and my Father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away, and every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes, that it may, be more, that it may bear more fruit. Already you are clean because of the word that I have spoken to you. Abide in me, and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me, and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away like a branch and withers, and the branches are gathered, thrown into the fire, and burned. If you abide in me, and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. By this my Father is glorified that you, that you bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. These things I have spoken to you, that my joy may be in you, and that your joy may be full. Well, as, as I read this, the first thing that happened was I got distracted because there was this element in the passage that really concerned me and concerned me in the context of this special retreat we were on. Now, I knew that we were told not to be distracted about things for other people, um, and so I had to um, kind of push through and make sure that I wasn't overly distracted by this thing and insist that I hear what God was seeking to say to me. And, and, and it was it was a huge blessing. Um, one of the things that I caught as I was reading this was, um, you know, as the Father has loved me in verse 9, so have I loved you? And then I thought about how about the Father loved the Son and sent him to die for our sins. 
Ouch. But it's very clear, verse 11, these things I've spoken to you, I guess I said I was going to be reading to verse 10, I read to verse 11, these things I've spoken to you that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be full. And when I think of things like going to the cross, suffering for sin, that doesn't sound very joyous. Uh, but there's something about walking in the fullness of what God has for us, even when it's painful. And when we connect with that properly and see it for what it is, then we connect with God in this very, very deep way, and we can know His joy even when things are very hard. And uh, so I often think of the challenges that I face in life in a very negative way. I don't think I'm alone in that. And I've had to learn um, to, to face difficulties and to face challenges and to face pain in a more positive way. Not a kind of a la-di-da positive, but a, a deep positive uh, that, we're, that I could somehow comprehend that to, to grasp this and to understand what Yeshua is teaching here, when, when, when I do that, that his intention is that I would know the fullness of his joy, which is just so wonderful. And it brings me to one of my favorite verses in, in the book of Romans chapter 8. I know many people know this, that we know that God causes all things to work together for good for those who love him or are called according to his plan. And that when we are in God's plan and we are walking in his purposes, we can expect that whatever's going on in our lives, he uses for good. And that's just so overwhelmingly wonderful and should give us much joy. Anyway, so this was a this was a blessing to me. And yet I was having to fight this distraction because I was concerned about the the the, the people that were part of this retreat, many of them pastors of congregations, others leaders of different kinds of ministries, and other people in, involved in seeking to minister to to people. Um and uh it's been a really rough time, as you know, these past few years with COVID. Um, a lot of congregations that may have been seeing growth and spiritual health went through a very difficult time, and many still are, where many people stayed away, and even when we were able to open for services in person, a lot of people did not come back, and some people still haven't come back. And and so there can be a sense on the part of, of many Christian leaders that, you know, thinking about a passage like this that's talking about bearing fruit— that given what's happened, seeing some of their, their work uh, getting sucked dry, that they might feel that they've been fruitless, that really they've been living a fruitless experience. So then in verse 2, we read, Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. Ouch! Does that mean that if, if we have not been fruitful, then we get taken away, that, that we're out. And I'm, I'm going to share some, um, some things that I've read and some commentaries that, that, are, that describe this as, as very negative. And it, you know, it is negative. Now, it goes on about those who bear fruit are, are pruned, and that's an amazing insight that the Lord gives us, that just like uh, the branches on a vine that, that get that fruitful branches get pruned back, that sometimes when we're doing well, we could experience painful things in our lives to teach us important lessons, and that's how we become more fruitful. Okay, well, that's also ouch, but I think that makes sense. We understand those of us that have gone through it understand it, 
But what is this? What is this? Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. Well, as I said that, you know, most translations are basically good and, and, you know, some could be better. And when you compare translations, often you can see various nuances that are in the original that are hard to capture in a single English translation. Uh, but there is a translation issue in, in verse 2 of chapter 15, this idea that, it, again, every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. Well, the Greek word that's translated here, pointing to my Bible, as he takes away is the Greek word arrow, like arrow bar. I don't know if you have it if you're outside of Canada. I remember, I love arrow bars. Anyway, arrow bars. But anyway, the term arrow in Greek can either mean take away or lift up. Now, it can so mean either or that it's difficult to tell um, sometimes which one it means. Now, in... Um, it actually appears many times. It's, it appears many, many times in the New Testament, this word arrow. Uh, and it's many times in the Gospel of John. And it sometimes very clearly means like pick up or raise up. John 5, verse 8. Uh, Yeshua is talking to a paralytic and he says, Get up, take up your bed, and walk. The taking up of the bed, the mat or whatever it, it, it was, raising it up. Is this Greek word arrow. Uh, there's a metaphorical use in John 10, 24, uh, where um, the religious leaders um, are challenging Yeshua, and they say, how long will you keep us in suspense? If you are the Messiah, tell us plainly. The idea of, of being lifted up in suspense. Now, I don't have time to go into all the occasions of this word. You can look it up yourself, and you can see that sometimes it means lift up. Sometimes it seems to mean take away, though it seems to me some of the take away is lift up and remove, and that the lifting up might be more core to what this word is about. I want to be careful there. As I said, you can check it out. But here, it is not clear just from the words whether it is raise up or take away. But interestingly, um, Bible Gateway is one of my go-tos for you know, looking, looking things up. BibleGateway.com. Uh, there's various good online um, and uh, online Bible resources and and Bible software out there. And one of the things I love about Bible Gateway is that you can go to a verse, and then if you look at a single verse, there's a link for that verse in all English translations of which Bible Gateway provides 61, 61 different English Bible translations, some old and some very new. And interestingly, um, every single English Bible translation for the word arrow here is take away. So the English Standard Version represents um, what all 61 uh, English translations provide here. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. Some, instead of says takes away, it says things like he cuts off every branch in me that does not bear fruit. Um, so it's, it's even taking the that word further. So, they, it, you know, so it can mean raise up or lift up 
or take away. And this idea of taking away a branch, well, that's cut off the branch because you have to cut it to take it away. And, and so sometimes it's, it's, it's cut off. Now, I don't know if you've ever seen, um, I don't know what, if you use online Bible or a, a, a paper Bible, but very often there's footnotes. And sometimes the footnotes provide alternate readings. And you may not know this, that if ever your alternate reading says, or something else, that means the the translators, the editors, whoever put this Bible together, it really could be either or. It's almost like a coin toss. If they use the word or, then what's in the footnote could equally be in the text itself, even though people are going to take what's in the, the main text more seriously. But that's not the intention. So I best I could, and I don't know if in Bible Gateway, if it provides all the footnotes that could be available for all these Bible translations, it provides some. Um, I, I prefer the ESV. Maybe one day I'll share why you can see the ESV study Bible behind me. It just kind of sits there well. It's actually, it's, it's on loan from one of my kids. Um, but um, um, no Bible translation is perfect. And uh, so I have reasons for preferring it for my main study, but I, but in my study, I often go to other translations. I try to go to the original as best I can with, with the knowledge that I have of the original Hebrew and Greek, which I have some. Um, and so that helps. And then I go to commentaries. Um, and so I, I try to get as much help as possible in, 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 in trying to understand God's word. Uh, but, okay, so this thing about when there, there could be an or the footnote. So again, I, what, I was, what I was saying was, looking through all the translations, I don't know if Bible Gateway provides all these footnotes that these translations provide. Um, they do some, and maybe those are the only ones that do. I don't know. But anyway, I looked up as best I could. I looked up if any of the translations were providing alternate readings for this, because from what I can tell, the Greek word could either mean lift up or take away. And... Uh, I, I maybe I should have explained already. So take away, that's that's pretty serious. That if it's take away, and this is the this is why it concerned me that people have been who have been feeling fruitless, feeling fruitless, every branch of me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. Like you're out, you're out, buddy. You're not bearing fruit, and and every branch in me, so you believe that you're in him, but you're not being fruitful. This translation makes it sound like even if you're in him, but you're not fruitful, you're not producing whatever the whatever kind of fruit it means, you're not productive, you're out. You're taken away. Is that really what it means? Or is it lift up? Is it possible that it means that the vine dresser, the, the caretaker of the vineyard, when he sees that there are branches that are, are well connected to the vine and they're not bearing fruit, that he lifts them up and brings them into the sunlight so that they have a better chance at being fruitful. So the vine dresser has compassion upon the fruitless branches and lifts them up. Could that be it? Well, so... First of all, I'm looking, are there alternate readings? And there's only, there was only, I think there was only two um, it, that that had it. And I guess I forgot to make the note or it's buried somewhere in my notes here. There was only a couple of translations that even 
that allowed, um, I don't know where I put it. Yeah, so it's there, um, but they're pretty obscure uh, translations that provided uh, lift up even as a, as a possibility. Almost all of the 61 translations went with take away. Well, then I went to the commentaries, see what they had to say. And I, you know, there's no way that I could see all the commentaries. I, there's a site that, um, if you're interested, called Best Commentaries, that um, that people have reviewed various commentaries and they list what they think the better ones. And I've tried to see some of the better ones, and I have some resources to go to where I can get to some of these commentaries. And I, so I, I did my best to dig. Um, and uh, surprisingly, like some of the best commentaries don't even discuss this issue much, just assume that it's takeaway, even though it's very, very clear that it could mean um, a lift up. Uh, so one, one, uh, one commentary by R. Kent Hughes from 1999, it's interesting what he says, not only is fruit bearing the main emphasis, but our Lord makes it the identifying mark of a true believer. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away, from verse 2. Some claim to be in the vine, Hughes writes, but the absence of fruit disqualifies them. If there's no fruit in our life, we had better reconsider the authenticity of our Christianity. You either feel fruitless or you are fruitless. According to Hughes, you're out. Now, interestingly, in the ESV Study Bible, it says this, the Greek verb ero can also mean lifts up in certain contexts. And some use this to argue that this means God lifts up unfruitful branches from the ground so that they will become more fruitful. This interpretation is taken by those who think the branches represent true believers who are not fruitful. But this sense seems less likely because this is the reason why the ESV Study Bible people are going with take away and not lifts up. But this sense seems less likely because the unfruitful branches in John 15, 6 are, quote, thrown into the fire and burned, which is an image of final judgment. Now, I'm going to go to 15, 6. Let's see what 15, 6 actually says. It says what it says. But they didn't quote uh, the full thing. I shouldn't have turned the page. Let's go back here. 15, 6. If anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away like a branch and withers, and the branches are gathered, thrown into the fire, and burned. It doesn't say, I'm getting a little angry here. This, I think this is so crucial, so important. God help us. The branches that are thrown away, according to verse 6, are the ones that don't abide. You're not in the Messiah. You might think you are, but you're not. You pretend that you are, but you're not. You're not. Whatever abiding is, you're not. If you're not, then you're burned up. You're thrown away and burnt up. For some reason, it seems that a lot of commentaries connect verse 2 with verse 6. But why? It's not the same thing. Because verse 2 also includes this idea of those who are fruitful will be pruned going through this painful process. So think... So let me start again. Verse 1. I am the true vine. My father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he lifts up. And every branch that does not bear fruit, he prunes that it may bear more fruit. I wonder if it's impossible to bear more fruit. He's been connected to the 
branches that aren't bearing fruit, that are connected, they are connected to him, but for whatever reason, and there's so many reasons why we may not be as productive as we should. And, and let, let's start for a second. What is fruit? He doesn't define it here. There are people that insist that bearing fruit means bringing people to the Lord, making new disciples. Fruit in terms of, of multiplying ourselves and, and, and being the, the bridge to, uh, not we can't make new believers, but you know what I mean. That's fruit. And so then we guilt people who are not gifted in what we call evangelism. And there are some people, they never brought anybody else to the Lord, and they read this, they feel fruitless, and if they take this seriously, he's going to take them away. That's Now, if it's, that's what it means, because we should take it seriously. Okay, so I don't think, he doesn't define what the fruit is, so we got to be careful. Fruit is the healthy result of healthy plants. So there is a general understanding in the Bible that those who have right, healthy relationships with God, that their lives will be will produce good things. How tangible those things might be, how noticeable they may, might be. Does the branch have to worry about its fruit? Now, I've heard that said in, in different ways. And the people go really far with this. So if only we could just, you know, it's like this. If we, if you're near an orchard, you don't hear the trees groaning to bear fruit. If the trees are healthy, they naturally bear fruit. And so then that illustration is taken to mean, well, just, just relax, completely relax. We say things like, let go and let God. And we just kind of, kind of like a whatever unto God, I love you, and you just do what you want, and then we think that he bears fruit. I'm going to explain abiding in a moment, and there's a little bit more for us to do than just kind of let it go and, you know, don't do anything, kind of be totally passive, as if faith can be totally passive. Faith is actually trust. It's something that I like to explain regularly because even though that's the case, people, a lot of people don't know that. They think faith is just something happening in their head or in their kind of untangible heart, whatever that is. But faith is actually trust. And when you trust someone, when you trust something, it results in something in our lives. It's that fruit will be bared. Bared? That's the right word. You will bear fruit. But people, we go through stages in our lives. We could be we could be physically ill, or we're getting older, or um, people struggling with mental challenges, or all sorts of things. Could you imagine a person who's depressed, who used to be very involved in things and doing, to have people over to their house, and they're engaging, and they're doing all sorts of stuff, and they're going through a depressed time, like Elijah and others. You know, a lot of people think, oh, you know, a true believer should never get depressed. It's nonsense. We go through these, these things. We could have these emotional issues, mental problems, because we're human beings. And we're not perfected yet. And so we go through these stages. And maybe we're not as productive as we used to be. Maybe we're at a stage where we need complete bed rest and we can't be productive at all. Maybe people who have been so gifted in speaking, issues happen with our vocal cords and you can't speak. And all your, 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 your trust in your own produce 
has been through abilities that whether temporarily or permanently you don't have anymore and you feel fruitless and then you read this and instead of reading that those who are not that those in me in me branches in me who aren't bearing fruit he lifts up and and isn't that what he does with his true children those who truly love him those who truly trust him but are struggling and maybe those struggles are like what's what happened with covid where all these things came against us and all sorts of confusing things shutting down and isolation and and families uh being divided and congregations being divided and and i wish we all would have done a better job through it all and i'm trying to learn my lessons from where i think i failed during that time but isn't God patient with us when we go through those things? Or is he just ready to kick us out at, at, at any moment? When we are, are, are not being all that we really should, doesn't he come and, and lift us up and bring us into his sunlight, S-O-N light, so that we can be rejuvenated? And, or simply cared for and then even in our our down times there's certain ways that god bears fruit especially if we are trusting him and of course when we're going through whether it's the pruning process or the needing to be lifted up process we have lessons to learn and maybe there's things that we need to repent of things that we should have done we didn't do or things we did that we shouldn't have done well let's repent let's make things right with other people and that's part of the process of being fruit bearers for the lord interestingly there is one um there's one reference to um lifting up that i read so i was one of the commentaries is by Kenneth Gangle from the year 2000, and he refers to a five-volume commentary from 1977 by James Montgomery Boyce. And I'm so going to read what Gangle says, and he leads into, um, I guess what he, yeah, he leads into a quote from Boyce. So let's go here. Boyce escapes the difficulty of interpretation by translating cuts off arrow as lifts up. And interesting, he makes it sound as if you're supposed to translate it as cuts off or takes away. But Boyce, he escapes the difficulty and, and says this instead. But I'm gonna let me read it again. So you, you, you got to hear this. Boyce escapes the difficulty of interpretation by translating cuts off arrow as lifts up. Certainly one of its meanings. He argues, quote, this is now Boyce, this translation makes better sense of the passage in every way. In addition, it is much better theology. First, the emphasis of this opening section of the parable is quite rightly upon the care of the vine by the Father. It would be strange granting this emphasis. The first thing mentioned is the carrying away of unproductive branches. It doesn't make sense in the flow. I'll continue Boyce here. But it is not at all strange to emphasize that the vine dresser first lifts the branches up so it may be better exposed to the sun and so the fruit will develop properly. All right. So who actually in this section should be concerned? Well, it's those who don't abide. And uh, those are the ones, as I read, verse 6, 
Verse 6, if anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away like a branch and withers, and the branches are gathered, thrown into the fire, and burned. Um, then he says, if you abide in me, and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. There's a, a communication thing that happens when we're abiding. By this my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciples. You know, show the, the reasonable outcome of, of being of being his his people. And we do that when we abide in him. And so let's, uh, okay, so as the Father has loved me, verse 9, so have I loved you, abide in my love. So how do we do that? And now I'm assuming abiding in his love is the same as abiding in him, because that's what we're talking about here. Uh, it says here, you know, without me, you can do nothing. So we are dependent upon Yeshua to live the kind of lives that he's called us to live. And he even takes care of us when we're struggling. We know that from other parts of Scripture. He lifts us up. So how do we abide in his love? Verse 10, If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I've kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. Well, here's where a lot of believers lose it. Because they think that this, you know, that this almost sounds like uh, our relationship with God is based on works. It's based on what we do. And so now abiding is happens when we keep his commandments. Well, that sounds like this fancy word that theologians say, works righteousness, that we're made right with God by our works. And we know that's not true. The scriptures are clear that the, that the basis of our relationship with God is by our trusting in him. It's, he doesn't look at what we do and go, ah, I approve of you. You're in my family because of how you are performing. No, 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 no. We are in God's family by trusting in Him. But how do we truly live out that relationship? How do we truly show that we are depending upon Him? It's not by let go and let God, totally disengage, completely being passive. It's by doing this thing that He says here, keeping His commandments just like He Himself kept his father's commandments. Now, I've commented on this before, I think I did a Torah Bites on it recently, where for a lot of believers, the word commandment is so harsh. It's, 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 it's God standing over a person, pointing their finger, telling them what to do and what not to do or else. But the term commandment actually in the scripture is, is has to do with God's directions. I like to use the word directives. When God calls us to do this or or warns us from doing something uh, else um, it's him pointing the way of life and pointing us away from the way of death this is the the way to live to end the way to be truly productive in life god's way it's by walking in his ways keeping keeping uh has this idea of like what a shepherd does with sheep keeping sheep keeping watch over we're to watch over God's commandments. We're to be attentive to them, and we're to live within them. Now, there are there are some believers that uh, some believers, if it's a commandment, they don't want anything to do with it. They think it's it's old, it's done away with, finished, and that's just not scriptural. It would make any sense here, and so many other things that we read in the New Testament. And other people say, well, God's commandments are important because they're what show us how. Uh, far away from God we are. They they have the function of revealing our sin. Well, that also, that doesn't ma make any sense. Yeah, it does that. I, I don't want to totally contradict that. It does have that function, but it's not the, that's not the only function. So God's 
commands, his directives, uh, help us to see how much we need him and how much we actually need to trust him for our relationship with him. Yes, that's true, but there's more to it because God's directives are life-giving. They they show us how to live. They they show us so much about life. I'm not going to take time here. This is something that I, I, I really like to talk about a lot in helping people see how life-giving God's ways really are. And that's what's being emphasized by the Messiah here. That if you can keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I've kept my Father's commands and abide in his love. The way we abide in the vine is by listening to what God is saying to us and walking in his ways. And that begins, as I've been saying, that begins with trusting in him. That's the foundation of our relationship with him. If we trust on what he has, trust in what he has done for us, not on what we have done for him. But once that relationship is established, um, we don't have to freak out about it. We need to trust him and seek to live out his ways. And when we are doing his will, then we're abiding in him and we can know his presence and his joy. And in the midst of that, if we're struggling, he lifts us up. So if you are feeling fruitless, look to him. If you're feeling unproductive, trust him. If you don't feel you're right with God, look to him and begin to obey him. Read his word again. Ask him to make it clear to you and seek to walk in his way. Now, One of the things that happened when I started preparing to share this, how, you know, maybe I should say, I really don't know why all these English translations prefer, and commentaries, either assume or prefer take away when all the scholars will tell you it could either be either or. Therefore, it's by the context. And I hope I've made a good case if you read it through, lift up, raise up, so that you can be fruitful, makes far more sense and fits into the whole Bible better. But as I was doing this, and I was so burdened to share this with, with all of you, I came upon something else. It has to do with verse 1, and I'm not going to get into it now. I'm just going to give you a little tease. I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine dresser. Well, all the scholars point out rightly so, that he's picking up, the Yeshua is picking up uh, something that his followers would understand. When he talks about the true vine, he is contrasting himself with God's vine Israel from the Hebrew Scriptures. But as I was preparing for this, and I was, I was reading some of these comments, I saw that there's some assumptions about Israel the vine God's original vine Israel that I believe is really misguided and failing to understand God's intent by Yeshua being the true vine in contrast to Israel the vine, there are some major misunderstandings that undermine the faithfulness of God. And so God willing, next time I want to look at verse 1 and I want to talk about Israel the vine 
and how Israel contrasts with Messiah, the true vine. Again, please comment down below. Uh, share this with others. Don't forget to subscribe if you haven't yet. And uh, if you want to engage me more directly, email me at comments at thinkingbiblically.org. And also, don't forget to register for the live event on November the 2nd, 2022. The registration link is in the description. Unless it's past that time, and hopefully the, the recording will be there. And so, until next time, this is Alan Gilman with Thinking Biblically. 